Welcome to the Cognitive Rampage Podcast. We are brought to you by Artesian Wellness Recovery. Uh, we talked a little bit about, well, a lot about actually, about Artesian Wellness uh, on Monday's podcast with Eric Kimmer. But Artesian Wellness and Recovery Programs um, are based here in Florida. They are not following exactly the Florida model, as Eric referred to it on the podcast on Monday, but they actually use holistic methods and an intensive outpatient setting to help people take back control of their lives. Uh, essentially, they use amino acid IVs, nutrition, exercise, holistic treatments, and nervous system remedies like acupuncture, neurofeedback, etc., to change your life and actually to get you off of the synthetic drugs many of these detox centers and rehab facilities have you leave on so this, that's why i support artesian wellness centers hopefully we're going to get down there and talk to joan collins here uh in january the uh, founder of artesian wellness and this holistic uh treatment approach for addiction but uh look them up uh you can uh find them at uh let's see uh, you can give them a direct call at 772-320-1555 or just go to artesianrecovery.com um, definitely check it out if you're in Florida and looking for a place uh, that can really help you, you know, and offer some really customized services that are out of the box and really holistic. You know, they're not just going to shove drugs in your face and lock you down for 30 days. But uh, Eric Kemmer was a guest there Monday on the podcast. We talked a lot about it, but um, yeah, I support Artesian Wellness. And if you're looking for a place, go there. Um, all types of different uh, services and approaches they really customize it to the individual and they're a step to change they really are artesian wellness is a step away from the florida model and a place and and re recovery wellness centers that are pushing for change they're a step in the right direction in my opinion but uh, again go to uh, artesianrecovery.com that's artesian a r t e s i a n recovery.com or call 772-320-1555 and tell them Adam sent you from the Cognitive Rampage. Let them know you heard this ad here and let them know that's why you're calling. Definitely tell them you heard them on the Cognitive Rampage. And let's really try to help the Artesian Wellness Centers really take over how we treat people dealing with addiction. We are also sponsored on this podcast by Counseling and Psychological Services of Central Florida. You can go to counselingcfl.com and look at all the services that um, Dr. Parker Mott and other uh, counselors, psychologists, and life coaches there at the um, counseling services offer. Uh, but they are based in Winter Garden, Florida. Uh, like I said, go to counselingcfl.com um, and find somebody. You know, honestly, reach out to somebody. If you're really going through something in life, you know, it's not weakness to reach out and talk. Uh, some of us just need to vent. Some people need more than that. But, uh, you know, counseling and psychological services, you know, they offer that for you. All types of different customized treatment. You know, it's not about you need to fit in the box of it, a therapy, but the approach or practitioner needs to form that box around what you need. But um, anyway, go to counselingcfl.com. Uh, and for more information, but, um, yeah, we are also powered by on it. And if you would go to adamlowry.com or cognitiverampage.com, click on the on it logo and you'll get initial order discounts, etc. But 
More importantly, you'll also be helping us stay alive. You'll be helping support the Cognitive Rampage podcast and supporting yourself to stay alive, to totally optimize your life. Now's actually a really good time. They got some big sales going on on some of the supplements, food, and fitness products that they offer. But um, if you're just listening to the Cognitive Rampage or you're not on the internet and you don't know what on it is, it's a total human and optimization site offering all things earth-grown nutrient, uh, fitness, and education even. So uh, that's why I'm a fan of it. There's nothing synthetic going on. A lot of even the workouts that they push with the kettlebells and uh, mace sticks, it's some real medieval looking shit. But it really involves like full on body workouts, like moving your entire body, not these stagnant bench press type movements, kind of making your whole body strong. But go to AdamLowry.com, click on the on it logo and optimize your life. If you're not on it, get on it. My guest on the Cognitive Rampage podcast is Dr. Parker Mott, who I refer to as the backcountry psychologist. Uh, but no, he's my friend. I love talking to him. He was the very first guest on the Cognitive Rampage podcast. Uh, this is now his second or third, his third appearance. And I always love it when he comes on the show. We really get into some mental debauchery. Uh, but we talk about a lot of serious things too, like guns religion and mental health um we talk about the guns topic a lot actually um you know him being a psychologist me being a mental health professional uh counselor life coach etc um we really want to discuss what mental health and guns really means and we kind of went in depth uh about that issue for a while but uh i hope you enjoy Uh, it's always fun chatting with my friend dr parker mott You, you literally said that I hear my inside voices and my outside voices, <laughs> but my outside voices I hear on my inside voices. Right. Isn't that what you said? Uh-huh. Okay. It's kind of like a, I didn't take my Seroquel today. <laughs> <laughs> I will spit my beer all over the damn microphone, man. <laughs> I didn't take my Seroquel today. That's why I'm starting to hear my outside voice on my inside voice, my inside voice on my outside voice. <laughs> like, what the fuck did you just say, man? Thank God I have these earphones on or everybody else would hear what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> now you see why I wrote on the fucking podcast. <laughs> Bat country fucking mental debauchery now you see why right because yeah i I wear my headphones so people don't hear what i'm thinking (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) you're a psycho man you know you gotta do the ceremony right oh yeah yeah wishes be with you i already finished my beer so we'll leave it at that yeah man talking to eric was fucking cool today man and and brooke too brooke was shy as shit brooke didn't talk much Mm -hmm. um it's funny brooke is on the podcast saying one sentence and the one sentence is you know i'm always right (laughs) well i guess if that's the only sentence you have to say then uh, (laughs) right you only need to say it when it's relevant that's pretty much all that needs to be stated Right, and, and and they just got back from the honeymoon too. So I was like, "Well, yeah, I'm just always right." No, no, she was really cool, man. She was cool to chat with. I liked hanging out with uh, both of them. 
Uh, we're going to go back down there, uh, or actually, I'm going to take the book tour down there to them. Uh, as we're going to start the book tour in that big RV, like I was saying, taking the podcast mobile. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to start in St. Pete Beach, Florida, F&K podcast. Then I'm going to wrap around to Naples, Marco Island, shoot over. Got some guests to interview in both of those mm-hmm. cities. Then some guests to interview over in Boca. Uh, then I'm going to shoot up to Stewart and go by Artesian Wellness Recovery. Because mm-hmm. they're doing they're the only wellness or recovery place. <clears throat> it's an IOP um, where you can go where they actually detox you off of the meds that the detox center sent you out with. Wow. So you're coming out of detox, you know, up to 40 medications. Mm-hmm. And what they do is holistically, they'll put, uh, you know, amino acids, B12, vitamins, mm-hmm. all natural way to now wean you off all the shit they put you on when you got out of detox. Mm-hmm. And they, you still have to go to detox because it's Florida and they do take insurance. So they got to stick by these rules, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, so it's, it's kind of cool what they're doing. So they're the first one in Florida that's really you know, using an intensive outpatient setting and using all four angles from a biopsychosocial approach, not a 12-step approach, and not a pharmaceutical approach. Right. Well, I think that, you know, you definitely need different approaches out there. Yeah, that was kind of the main end of what really ending it all was kind of saying, you know, the more approaches that people can offer, the better, man. Yeah, I mean, one one treatment isn't going to, you know, uh, fit for everybody. And I think last time, you know, on that... Uh, the CBT podcast, we talked about how uh, there's got to be different treatments out there for different people, you know, and a lot of times CBT and cognitive theory was something that was repackaged over and over and over again and sold in a lot of different forms. And, you know, you hear somebody from the TED Talk say something CBT and it hits you differently than your therapist saying something from CBT, you know, same thing. It's just the mode of communication. You know, and... You hear me good in yours? Yeah, I hear you good. You really got a problem hearing? You Like you can't hear yourself very well? No, I'm okay. I can hear myself. All right. All right. Is your inside voice communicating? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, I hear you good, man. I was just making sure the mic was working correctly. Yeah, when you're talking, it's uh, you're feeding in on the yellows. Go ahead and say something. Something. Yeah. yeah. You're tapped out. You're hitting the yellows. You know, go ahead and peek out if you want. Say something louder. Louder. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you're good, man. Your gains are up. You're way good, man. There may be something wrong with those headphones, though. Yeah, that's fine. That I, you know what? I would blame it on the headphones before that microphone. That microphone's badass. Or the Seroquel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those headphones may need it, man, because those went on me. And actually, there's another pair of headphones in the uh, stash if you want to try another pair of headphones. Mm. No, this might actually work out well for me. All right, because I want everyone's experience in the cognitive cave to be as if they are my VIP guests, you know? This is how we like to At take some care. point, you're going to be like, screw it, you're cast, and you're going to just deal with it. You already are a cast member of the Cognitive Rampage, <laughs> dude. I mean, this is, you are now the longest running, longest, uh, most appearing guest on the Cognitive Rampage. Do I get a trophy for that? No, you get a beer. I get a beer. <laughs> you get a beer. That's why I keep coming back. <laughs> hey, wait. I'm, this is just chemical incarceration. I'm doing. <laughs> I just got you locked up, man. That's man. I got y'all. Uh, that's it, man. I. This is how you get doctors. Feed the addicted. beast. That's it. Right. You get doctors addicted by feeding them a microphone and thousands of people to listen to them and give them a beer and they keep coming back. Give them a beer and feed their narcissistic tendencies. <laughs> That's it. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to say it. Why do you think I started a podcast? <laughs> so I can keep coming back to it. Hell, I can turn it on anytime I want to and go be as narcissistic as I want to be. 
Listen to yourself. <laughs> That's right. Well, no, I listen to my outer voice with my inner voice. My inner voice, I talk to my outer voice. I tell everybody that on your drive to work, say, I listen to podcasts on the morning on my drive. <laughs> like, oh, who do you listen to? Listen to myself. <laughs> I do. I just listen. talk to myself. And then when I'm talking to myself, it's like I'm listening to a podcast. Uh-huh. That's sick. My circle's not working anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Time to switch to something stronger. Yeah, well. We <laughs> add some Depakote. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe people take this stuff. After a long time, dude, you're just like, man. But it really gets you, you know. There's some people that have been affected by it so hard. You know, I've, I've seen some of the most driven, innovative fucking mm. badasses get hooked on that shit. And what's funny is they even kind of go, man. I, I, it got me, you know, I must have that, uh, that addiction predisposition and I'm going, uh, no, you may have just been taking the most addictive substance on the planet that was designed to do what mm-hmm. it was supposed to do. You're not some fucked up person. Mm-hmm. Like it's made to do that. Right. It just happens to be quite addictive. You're not some crazy weirdo. Uh, and there, then there's lithium. Oh boy. Yeah. And then there's LSD. <laughs> 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 oh man, mm. I, I wish we could dose the world with mushrooms right now. To be honest, oh what they're starting to do uh, a lot more of the MDMA um, studies and therapy again. Yeah, you know, they they did that back in the uh, the seventies. I think a lot of them stopped at, in the seventies, uh, early eighties, and then they're you know kind of re-exploring some of the benefits of things like ecstasy. Yeah, and therapy and. You know, they're trying to bring some of that back. The, mm-hmm. You know, the psychedelics, it's almost as if they were, the psychedelics were outlawed almost on fucking purpose due to the 60s, mm-hmm. as if they saw it to be revolutionary, mm-hmm. you know, and so they can't let the psychedelics get out because then the society knows, right? They become aware. Mm-hmm. Well, they did so many of the studies on psychedelics, too, you know. I mean, the government really got involved in the researching that and seeing the effects and what they could do to manipulate people with it. Uh, so it, it became kind of a slippery slope there between the government's uh, research and what was going on socially at that time. Oh, man. I mean, Ken Kesey. Yeah, yeah. You know, Fuck. one of the uh, uh, the most famous, you know, the merry band of misfits. You know, I mean, he led an entire generation of hippies, and he was just a college student who went into... Uh, you know, try and earn some extra money doing some research for the government, and they fed him LSD. And then, yeah. You know, and it obviously uh, the government feeding Ken Kesey LSD ended up being history because he went on to be very famous and yeah. well, write books. And, I mean, and, and it existed. And so, I, I don't know, when the government outlaws something, it's almost like I have to try it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> is that wait you mean you said i have to get a job <laughs> i bet i can live life doing it on my own right? <laughs> right so i'm gonna do that right every time the government tells me i gotta do some shit i'm like wait i gotta get a license to do what yeah. but i don't motherfucker <laughs> that's that rebel tendency of yours right is it man is it the rebel is it the gemini is it the psycho is it the seroquil yeah i talked to somebody about that <laughs> why do you think you've been on the show so many times Doc? <laughs> three times <laughs> right you, i mean you have three appearances on the cognitive rampage show maybe, maybe this is how I, this is my counter transference it is this is when i get to be the patient something unconscious going on here mm. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I mean, seriously though, when if you're spending enough time on on social media and you look around long enough, dude, between you know the Muslims' religion, guns, and all the other fucking stuff that you can see in one thumb fucking swipe, you know, is enough to drive you nuts, man. It is, and it, it's enough to make people angry. Would you say that? It's just more detrimental to, I think, society is the anger that's going on because anytime you focus on anger, it narrows your your focus. It narrows your vision. It's like you're like a horse with blinders on. You just see kind of what's right in front of you and you miss really the the bigger situation and uh, more, you know, what's the truth, reality. So anger always narrows your focus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the country seems fucking pissed. Like, I mean, now you got, um, what are the, those guys that threw a, uh, pipe bomb into a Muslim, a mosque over in California, San Francisco or something, mm-hmm. you know, and there are people in that mosque, man. And, you know, that's part of that anger, you know, that's coming out. And even that military guy, I loved what he did. You know, he was hit by a bomb or an IED or something mm-hmm. and he put it uh, up there. He goes, yeah, I was blown up by a Muslim, but I was also the guy who flew the helicopter to safety was a muslim the doctor who performed the surgery was a muslim mm-hmm. he's like so how can you generalize you know what i mean mm-hmm. but you're right that anger i mean we seem to be a really angry country and it's misplaced i think it is and i think it's based on you know the lack of knowledge about islam you know and uh in the culture and different cultures and you know in some points people don't care enough to learn but number two they just see what they see on the internet and sure. contributes to anger and then they make pretty narrow generalizations on things yeah um, i gotta be honest you know i spent five minutes wasting my life flipping through those isis threat videos that's mm-hmm. a bad thing to do by the way yeah <laughs> but you imagine when you do that and you know somebody not trying to be insightful or sees the whole picture even myself knowing that i can kind of look beyond a video or two into that and i'm like bring it on motherfucker you know mm-hmm. it's hard for me not to be like you know what all right bitch you know and then you start mm-hmm. thinking that way and so when you can apply that to someone that maybe does lack the insider education yeah. or knowledge i mean we have to pull ourselves out of it sometimes watching those things so i do imagine you know the average american that's going to be watching those things and i do brother even now i yeah. watch it and it's hard for me not to go you know what these Dude, these maybe people, they're right. <laughs> well, you either kind of go, yeah, we are fucking nuts, mm-hmm. and then you kind of go, but you're just as nuts because you're trying to you're doing the same thing, you right? Know, you know, mm-hmm. and so you kind of look at that and you go, well, what's better, people that say they're going to murder me forever, or one that's secretly doing mm-hmm. it by destroying our whole fucking population slowly? I'm yeah. going to take my chances with what I got here, but even then, you know, when's the last time a terrorist? killed someone over here mm-hmm. you know i think what tylenol killed more people and peanuts killed more people collaboratively mm-hmm. over the last collectively right. i mean over the last 10 years i think you know we have to be careful with um generalization generalizing that islam is just a dangerous um evil religion that's full of hate you know if all muslims wanted to kill americans then you know it's there'd be mil- there's millions of you know, Muslims out there, we'd, we'd probably all be dead. Yeah. So. Well, don't say that shit in the South, bro. Uh. <laughs> you, you say that in the South. You let somebody in Okoye, Popka hear that, it, you, right? They're going to be out there. Let me tell you. It was funny. We were joking around the other day. And you, all right, Doc, this is therapy. You tell me if I'm crazy. All right. And Bill Burr, actually, who I think is one of the top comedians of all time. I was actually doing my top five 
list comedians of all time last night. And Bill Bird jokes about this, about rednecks and war. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're just who you want, you know. So I'm not going to rip off his bit too much. But I seriously contemplated. I was like, what if you just said, you know what? What I don't like about the Middle East, even when they backstart, is that we did it to begin with. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to do it, do it. You know, but obviously they want to procrastinate war because the longer we're at war, more money they make. I get all that. Mm-hmm. They really don't want the war to end anyway, you know, which is part of why they did it the way they did it. But what if you put a call out and you just lined up a bunch of boats to transfer people however you could? Maybe it's airplanes. I don't know. And you say, listen, I know you're all on death row. Maybe wrongly convicted, maybe not. But And anyone out there in America that just needs a ride, show up with your own artillery. Hell, the whole South themselves would show up with more weaponry than the fucking 1st Brigade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the South Florida itself's got more weapons than fucking Fort Bragg mm-hmm. at Florida. Itself. So you say, look, it's a free ride there. You and all on, you know, death row. It's a free ride. You know, if you go there and you just happen not to come back to the ship, we're not looking for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> just do what you want to do. You yeah. know what I mean? And so all of you angry fucking people on Facebook that are posting all this mean shit. All right? Here's your chance. Mm-hmm. See how many people really come to the boat. And you know what? I, I, I was messing around last night. And I said, let me take it a step further. Whatever your salary is, we'll double that. And we'll make sure that we're paying everything you got to pay while you're gone. Mm-hmm. And when you come back, we'll just hand you that cash and salary that you missed. Right. How many people do you think would really go to the boat? It's a good question. You know what I mean? How many people would really go, yeah. Or how many people will stay safely behind their iPhone on Facebook? Mm-hmm. Posting their rebel flag. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You know, seriously, you know, and the mm-hmm. truth, you know, the truth is like peanuts and Thailand, all these things added up together, have killed more people than some guy with a beard mm-hmm. over here. And no one's outlawing that, mm-hmm. you know, no one's outlawing fucking Tylenol and peanut butter and shit. No one's doing that. No one's outlawing cars. Mm-hmm. Cars are fucking killing more people than anybody with a beard over here. You know what I mean? Nobody's outlawing that shit. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we see these things as necessities. Well, Right. You know, I, with the car thing, that's kind of interesting because I was sitting there the other other day thinking that, you know, the new cars that drive themselves with GPS and stuff. I, I if, can't wait till we if have If cars them. start doing that, then, you know, people are going to be upset because we're taking away people's rights to drive because the cars are driving themselves. But, no. but if cars drove themselves, it would probably reduce the amount of accidents. But if you've ever been to civil court in Orange County, remember, driving's not a right. It's a privilege. <laughs> That's what the judge tells you, right? Driving is, is yeah, it's is. a privilege. So it ain't no right to drive. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It ain't no right to drive in this motherfucking state. <laughs> oh, Orange County, six dollars. Mm-hmm. See if they don't suspend your fucking license. <laughs> See, and then you owe them six hundred, and then you can't even use your car to drive to work to be able to pay the six dollar bill you couldn't pay previous because you're trying to afford food. And then when you're trying to live, and you go, wait a minute. I can't even drive to the job to pay you the $6, but now i got to give you 600 so I can drive again to go back to the job I can't get because i got arrested for a felony because marijuana is illegal in this state. <laughs> God damn. And then the Republican goes, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, son, even though I won't fucking hire you. Trickle-down economics. <laughs> <laughs> right? You see? God, we're all crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, what are we going to do? So we're thumbing through these things, bro. I mean, this is what's really out there, man. Mm-hmm. And and the guns talk is 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 real too. And you look, we're both in the mental health field, right? But let's seriously talk about it. I do believe there's a mental health issue for sure. 
I also believe there's a broken, corrupt system of a weird society that creates people to think oddly and makes depression and anxiety more prevalent, right? This fake social construct of a society, right? But, you know, the guns are here. They exist. Is it the mental health? You know, I'll ask you, is it the mental health issue really that's driving the idea or is it the gun themselves? Or is it the guns themselves? You know, what's the what's the real deal in your opinion? Obviously, no one has a real answer, but I mean, where where are you at with this? Well, it's hard to hard to say because I I think mental health uh, stretches a whole field in terms of kind of severity, you know. And I think when you look at mental health and guns, um, you know, that I think that there's been a real failure in terms of um, any sort of documenting or um, you know uh, the background checks, things like that, because yeah, the they don't really week, yeah. check mental health things. You know, unless something is really significant or in serious that comes up, or the law got involved to where it comes through a background check. But mental health records are some of the most protected records in terms of confidentiality. I'm glad so, you, dude. All right, go finish. Sorry, <laughs> dude. Go ahead. So then you get into the whole uh, discussion about uh, privacy. You know, um, what constitutes being mentally ill enough that your uh, amendment and rights are taken away? And who has that authority? Is it a doctor? Is it a group? Is it a panel? Is there criteria? And if there is criteria, is it accurate criteria? Uh, So there's a lot more questions than just making it simple and saying, you know, well, uh, there's nothing on a background check that said this person was mentally ill. You know, it's, once yeah. you get into the ins and outs of it. Um, well, come on. Let me quote every neighbor of every serial killer they've ever interviewed. Mm-hmm. He seemed like a normal guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That's what you hear. He right. seemed like a normal guy. Mm-hmm. And because it, it is the psycho that you don't see. Mm-hmm. You know, so the truth is, yeah, depression and some of these things. No, I say the truth is. Let me stop. Possibly we see the things, allegedly, we see the things like depression, anxiety, as when we say mental health, just like you said, there's different ideas and areas and severities. Mm-hmm. And so one may see that, all right, so depression caused this guy to shoot up the, the room mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, was it, you know, was it something else other than depression? Was it, you know, so like you said, the varying yeah. levels of it. Was it, you know, they find that. Uh, was it the psychotic dude who, you know, you don't see anyway, you uh-huh. know, who's the Jeffrey Dahmer normal dude who's just a normal guy. Yeah. Right. He doesn't have depression, anxiety. He's just a fucking psycho. Or the person that's, you know, who suffers from schizophrenia. Right. And you technically, know, or, aren't they the most docile, really? Because a lot are. of schizophrenics are not violent. You know, I think there is that misperception out there. And research shows that most schizophrenic people are usually very peaceful. They don't, yeah. you know, I, I think there's a, a fear that's kind of driving that idea behind that. Um, but I, I think people, you know, bipolar disorder, sometimes there's symptoms of that where the person becomes more uh, violent. No, I've heard um, the most dangerous diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I've heard from a few professionals that, you know, of, you know, the psychologists like mm-hmm. yourself, psychiatrists too. I don't know, different opinions, but I've heard that the most dangerous diagnosis is a bipolar diagnosis in a manic phase with psychotic features. I, I'd, I'd say that's a difficult situation. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I yeah. hear uh, they say that's the most dangerous. Yeah, you know, more dangerous than a schizophrenic. You know, because mm-hmm. obviously schizophrenia well, has dangerous, its psychotic features. You know, everybody's different, but that is something that I think going to work with those people that violence is something uh, that you would have to watch out for with somebody in that state. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. I mean, so. You know, it, it hits me because what you're saying, you know, we talk about mental health and background checks for guns. And like I was saying, it becomes subjective, right? Mm-hmm. It becomes this, what's the notion of normal? Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, diagnosis can change between doctors. You know, even in the medical field, you go for a second opinion if you don't like the first diagnosis. So, so who you becomes get, the authority? Exactly. And with uh, in terms of diagnosis, who makes that? Um, who's qualified to make that? What are the protections, you know, because there's a lot of people out there who have the right to own guns that went through things that might uh, cross that line when it doesn't sure. need to be crossed. You know, yeah. some or uh, the innocent guy 17 year old kid who um, had some suicidal thoughts because his girlfriend broke up with him. Um, you know, is that substantial enough to take somebody's rights away for how long? Right. When they're 45 and have a family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Do this. Is it for life? Is it for a number of years? Does there have to be another evaluation involved? If so, where at? Who's going to do that one? And, you know? and I mean, and the truth is, could you truly get all the guns? The, the argument that I hear, right, a lot of people argue about Australia, right? Mm-hmm. Australia had a couple mass shootings, and they said, you know what? Turn all your fucking guns in. And they did. And they really haven't had any big issues with violence like that since. Now... Um, the argument then becomes, sure, they did it, but the population difference, you mm-hmm. know, between Australia and America is, is vastly different. You're talking 320, 350 million here if you count illegals. Oh, yeah. And I think the culture is different and there's multiple melting pots of culture within America as well sure. that you well, have to uh, deal with differently or yeah. might react to, to that specific request differently. But at least Australia has admitted what they did to the aborigines. You know, America, for the most part, has avoided what they have done to the indigenous people here in the United States. So even Australia had to admit some awareness first, you know, before they can even start to make some changes within its societal constructs. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we got a much larger population here. And look, guns are fucking ridiculous around this bitch. To think that somebody's really going to volunteer those guns up and really turn them in because it's lawful, mm-hmm. I think is shooting for the fucking moon, man, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, I, obviously, right now it's not lawful because we still have the rights and right. uh, the amendments and stuff saying that now people we argue. do have that. So to take that away uh, would be pretty difficult, and then implement it would be pretty difficult just in terms of logistics, I believe. But I think then you're having to uh, force something upon a culture that uh, in different cultures within America different belief systems, ideas of weapons, yeah. um, you know, on an enti- entire country. And it, and, and honestly, it, you know what, maybe an entire country, but I would want to say really regions, oh, you know, yeah. the South, the South is going to be a tough spot, mm-hmm. you know, and look, the argument main comes from the other side really isn't necessarily mental health background Mm -hmm. checks increased but a lot of the a a certain group of people also cause for the removal of guns making them illegal england did the same thing hell the cops don't even carry firearms Mm -hmm. you know uh australia repealed their guns and brought them back right i mean it seems like yeah we could just follow suit and we just scale you know whatever design they did it Mm -hmm. you know australia did it britain did it whatever we just scale it 
do we just say no america's different people Mm -hmm. you know that wouldn't happen you know we were kind of raised in the gun right the peacemaker of wyatt earp Mm -hmm. is a uh symbol you know of kind of culture the muskets right that's kind of a even the western rifle well i think the the biggest question involved is and with all questions it's what is the main goal of the behavior what is the goal you want to achieve, and uh, what are the means and the behavior to get there? So I know? think people I would th- argue, isn't it just the freedom? Just just to be able to choose it if I wanted to? Sure. I think everybody has a different you know, reason, and they're free to have the reason and opinion. But I think if uh, society wants to say, okay, what is the goal? Is the goal to not have shootings and violence anymore in America? Possibly. Okay, let's say that's what the goal is. Well, is the means going to get to the goal? You know, is this the path that has to be taken in order to have the results desired? Uh, you know, so I think it's just a bunt bigger fundamental question. Uh, I mean, it's one that we face every day in our lives. Um, if I have a goal in my life, am I doing what I need to do to get to that goal? Hmm. And how many times is there one answer to that? Well, is, isn't the goal of, to get rid of guns is to stop murders and violence? Okay, make that the goal. Well, is that the best way of doing that? Oh, and, yeah. And I'm not here to say one way or another, no, but no, I think well, it's just the question of you bringing up that question. Is that going to solve the problem 100% or are we going to have to do multiple things? Are we going to Or do is a, this even just the wrong answer completely? All right, are we going to do knife recalls next? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. does, I mean, I don't know. I know it sounds like awfulizing in a Republican argument, hardcore. <laughs> you know, what's next, you know? And for some people, though, it is just the freedom to be able to choose to do that, right? And to outlaw that. And then a lot of people argue the Second Amendment, you know, mm-hmm. the right to bear arms, et cetera. And still, that even that amendment, some people tie it to the idea that it was a different time then. Mm-hmm. It was different notions. I've heard people even tie it to, look, it was the idea that you had the right to bear arms to overthrow your government just in case your government got too strong. Mm-hmm. Right? I've heard that argument, really. I've also heard the argument that it was so that it was a controlled local militia mm-hmm. that had the right to bear arms. Right? But we don't have these local militias anymore. Right? Mm-hmm. And so that these are outdated ideas or outdated uh, notions. But when does it become subjective also that notions of foundations of a society become outdated? You know what I mean? So if we can choose to say that, no, no, that one's really outdated because of the times we live in, mm-hmm. you know, do you, you know, that becomes too subjective for me. And I think you have to look at the, the question is whether it's practical or not. You know, does it serve a purpose still? Mm. Many would argue it would because, you know, I would argue that, look, I don't think the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, was made so I had the right to bear arms to shoot a bitch crawling in my window mm-hmm. or or cap a motherfucker who cut me off in traffic mm-hmm. or shoot a deer with a fully automatic assault rifle. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not so sure that they wrote that in there with that notion of me protecting my family from an intruder. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I may think it was more directly written to oppose the government. Because remember, these dudes that wrote it were escaping government. Yes. You know, so I can more say, look, you got the right to bear arms as citizens in case our government takes your ass the fuck over. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what it fucking has. Mm -hmm. And so maybe from a liberal side, I'm going to have to look at the liberal side and go, guys, dude, I get it. Guns are killing people. They don't need them. They're murderous. All of you are right. Mm -hmm. You know, they are doing it. They're not necessary. You know, but they are here. 
And like you said, is it practical? And then the idea of freedom. And then you kind of go, well, let's just say, I don't know, maybe people aren't woken up. And the government has stolen your life, which they have. They own you. <laughs> it is corrected. Population control exists. These things, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Watch the numbers. Like, these things become real. But, of course, look, they want to shape a society that, one, has no firearms, no means to take its control back whatsoever. Mm -hmm. They're flooding it with psychotropic medications, which we know reduce testosterone in males. So you're creating a beta society. 48% of this country takes a medication in the morning. 60% takes one at night. So we're creating betas. You look at the argument. Men don't <laughs> exist anymore, right? We're having this argument. You know, men don't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. You see this. So you have a beta-fying of the culture. You remove the firearms of the culture. You poorly educate the culture. You poison them with foods like GMOs and pesticides and zombies. You make them needy upon you to defend them with military from the bearded ghosts, right? And you keep them scared with certain flus and diseases along the way. <laughs> so you create zombies that uh -huh. now become, I call us, you know what we are in the United States? We are crops. They crop us from day one and they crop you until you cannot be cropped anymore. And they turn you to what kind of vegetable you're going to be. Whether cancer is going to get you and they drain your 401k trying to stay alive an extra couple of years. Or they chemically incarcerate you on medications. And if they give you cancer with the food you're eating. Either way, they're going to get your motherfucking ass and they're going to crop you until you're fucking dead. <laughs> and you're going to pay taxes in your 9 to 5. You're going to be in fucking debt forever. Welcome to the United fucking States and live the American dream, bitch. You're a crop. We're all crops. Damn. I just went the fuck off. Wow. But Feeling I see better? Okay, kind of, but it's the truth. But so we get cropped in this method, dog, you know, and and we and we fight amongst the smallest things. Mm -hmm. And so you see these guns now. So, I mean, uh, every side kind of has a point. You oh, know, they, yeah. they really mm -hmm. do. I want my weapon in case my government decides to. I don't know. The law enforcement are predominantly wiping out blacks more than mm -hmm. anything else. Well, what if they turn it to fucking white people? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you never know. It doesn't matter. But my fact is, man, if my government now wants to say this community needs mm -hmm. to be overthrown mm -hmm. <laughs> and they start taking communities, what happens in this country, Dr. Parker Mott, when states start fighting for water? Mm -hmm. What happens? Florida and Georgia right now are in a fucking argument statewide over water rights. Mm-hmm. What happened? In California, historically. Sure. And there's they have water that can be given to them, but mm -hmm. they're not piping it into them. Mm -hmm. Government's holding it out. And corporations. But, so, but what happens? People are focused on these bearded demon guys. What happens, my friend, when these invisible borders that don't exist, that create states, that aren't even there? It's mm -hmm. just stuff, right? We even have our own flags, dog. That's scary. Mm -hmm. Our states even have our own flags. What happens when two states start fighting for aquifer and water and clean water? Mm -hmm. How far are we from the Middle East to being multiple tribes again over here, scrapping for fucking what state you exist in? Yeah, that is true. You know? I mean, damn, dog. I mean, so is it practical, you say, to take the weapons away? Is it? It's, I think there's so many different uh, questions in that. Man, that's a lot, dog. Mm -hmm. I'm going off, bro. You are. You're on a roll. No, man. It just, it's, I guess it's deep to me. Because, look, I'm, I have guns. You have guns, right? Mm -hmm. You're a gun guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're both gun guys. I'm a gun guy. I, I, I hunted mm -hmm. for a long majority of my life. Um, I haven't in a while. 
Um, you know, I was raised doing that stuff. Fishing, you were a fucking professional bass fisherman, right? I was. <laughs> Lifetime ago. See, you're the fucking mm-hmm. man. You're a 16-year-old sponsored fucking bass fisherman guy doing your thing. Yeah, that was quite a time ago. Fucking awesome. See, People so you, always ask me why I stopped doing that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, I think I think we actually talked about you doing that. Yeah. Um, um, like maybe even the first podcast. I believe so. It's a long time ago. Yeah, so you write it, Star. I mean, so we're, you know, I was raised doing that stuff. And I, look, I have my weapons in there. I have my concealed permit. Mm-hmm. My wife has a concealed permit. Yeah. You know, my my daughter's looking forward to having hers. You know, does that make me crazy? Does this make me that I'm teaching her? You know, am I nuts that I have loaded weapons in the house and not once have I had a problem with my daughter for years, no issues? It's not a thing. Well, you grew up in the, that region and culture that that was acceptable and that was uh, the way things were. Let me ask you, what state do you want to be in when the people start fighting for water? It's a good question. You may want to be in fucking Florida all of a sudden, right? You're like, thank God, honey, we fucking moved our northeastern asses to these redneck motherfuckers. <laughs> They're all armed. You know we're going to have some water for the next, I don't know, at least six, seven months until <laughs> the government takes it all. I know. I'm I'm, I'm spitting crazy conspiracy shit. I'm getting, I'm, you know, I'm fucking around with a Thought lot of distortions. This. Yeah. You know, I'm fucking around with a lot of this right, shit. Right, right. But some of it, I mean, you know. It's a very real possibility. I mean, it's not like you're completely out there off that. I mean, they, and I, I think the way people see it is um, that is a real possibility. And uh, some people see that as being crazy. <laughs> but I, I think just the, the levels of possibility to where that can go and taking away guns and, what happens when you take away guns and then what happens to a situation if the situation changes and there's no guns? I think you have to think further ahead than just the immediate issue. And I mean, uh, with could... like anything in life, I don't think the answer to anything is in the extremes. You know, usually there's somewhere in the middle uh, that you find the best answer. Sure. And it, it starts with understanding on both parties, on the... Uh, Democrats, Republicans, and everybody else that we can kind of get involved. You have to understand another person's point of view in order to um, kind of make peace and negotiate and find things in the middle. Well, where do you stand with the guns? What do you think? What do I think about taking them away? Well, yeah. Uh, I think I told, kind of explained the, the entire philosophy, and I think that's where my thoughts are, is just I have more questions than any sort of taking sides on the issue. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think uh, the sides that we think we're all on might not even be, you know, the the war ground. You know, it's sides may change when more information comes out, more questions come out, more, uh, especially in the mental health area where so many people are, uh, they don't understand the mental health field or the, the ins and outs of it. Right. Um, what, what and then, for, because to them, it's just as simple as why did this person who has a history of mental illness uh, get a gun, could buy it? Right. And there is a failure somewhere in the system, but at the same time, you do have to get into those areas of ethics and confidenti- confidentiality. You know, and I, I believe that we have to look at if we were to take people's gun rights away because of mental illness, wouldn't that discourage people who need help? with mental illness to seek mental illness. If I thought that, hey, I could go see a therapist and there's a possibility that I lose my rights as an individual, though that's somebody who would choose not to go and seek the help that they need for fear of losing 
their civil rights in yeah. some ways. You know, their birth-born rights here in America. So I think it could discourage the mental health field and the people who need mental health more than anything from getting it. And we can't punish somebody for being mentally ill. I'm saying mentally ill, but, you know, I mean, depression, you can throw a lot of things in there. Um, you know, struggling with psychological difficulties in life from seeking the help that they uh, that they need and would benefit from. That That's a big deal. You know, people don't think about it. Who's going to say, yeah, who's going to be quick to volunteer that I'm going through depression, knowing that this may be marked on my permanent record, and I may have to now give up the, the weapons that I own. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do when somebody, and it don't matter, get that beer out of there, brother. So what are you going to do when somebody, you know, you're right, doesn't report it, and when it's a typical maybe, uh, you know, something adjustment disorder type thing. They're just going through something in life or did, like you mentioned before. Mm -hmm. And that's on their permanent record. Now they're not going to come look for the help. Mm -hmm. Because now what? you got to go turn your guns in? Is that what happens? You know, so if I go and get mental help Mm -hmm. and I'm getting therapy, does this mean I have to collect my shotguns at the time, you Mm -hmm. know, or my pistol that I keep for, you know, protection? Do I have to turn this in now? Well, uh, yeah. And what diagnosis? Depression? Anxiety, problems at work, relationship difficulties, PTSD. Think of somebody who has PTSD because maybe they were victimized by an intruder or somebody like that, and now they need to seek out mental health who's going to take away the very weapons that they might have wanted to use to protect themselves. So I think in some ways, somebody who has PTSD from uh, an attack or an incident or something like that could be re-victimized through having their rights taken away for seeking that mental health that they need. Uh, so we have to really look at a lot of different areas It's um, and a lot of different diagnoses because they're all different. Um, you know, there's not going to be an easy uh, determination about this. Is it going to be the government who does these psychological evaluations? Uh, is it going to be privatized companies? Um, well, where, where's I mean- the legal thing? You know, you Say somebody goes to a doctor, a doctor says, you know, okay, well, you can't have a gun or, well, I'm going to fill out these papers and put it in your file and your file has to be read by somebody who um, determines whether you have that or not. So I, it becomes I think it, so subjective. It does. It does. It, it does. And, you know, you said something there, which was, you know, relationship difficulties, right? Listen. We all, I can look at this at two ways. Take the person who's anti-gun, pro-mental health to help curb gun. And I look at this person and I tell them, all right, so do relationship difficulties qualify for a mental health diagnosis, which they do in our field, which they can for an adjustment disorder type? Mm -hmm. You know, would that qualify to the liberal who's Mm anti-gun? Would this qualify as meaning, no, because of the relationship difficulties, they can't have a gun? Mm Mm-hmm. And if that's so, are you mean to tell me, liberal person, that going through a relationship difficulty isn't just part of what most of us just experience in life? Mm-hmm. And so now, because of multi- regular things we experience in life, so now humans just can't have guns altogether is what they would probably argue, right? That's because of relationship difficulties. So they would argue, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think the liberal side would then have to argue, yeah, all of them qualify. Any of those diagnoses would qualify. They shouldn't be guns at all mm-hmm. then you got the then the other side calling for mental health you know i think we're just finding out it's not as cut and dry as they all like to say it's not and i think we all have to be careful about being too um 
stubborn in our points or stubborn in our views because it prevents us from having more of that open dialogue for people to come and say, okay, how could we possibly do this with, you know, what's going on in a mental health system? You know, how are you do hear people out there who, uh, you know, the mental health system failed this person? You know, where was the breakdown? How was it a breakdown? What could we do better? But to what extent to where we can do it within the law and protect people's privacy and rights? Yeah, it's definitely going to be a slow work in progress, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're rarities, man. Being the fact that we're in the helping practice, we're in the helping field, we're in the mental health field, <laughs> and we're both gun guys, right? Mm-hmm. Give it up to uh, whether it's culture, region, whatever. Sure. But you know what my answer with that would be? Because some people would argue, look, you're a counselor. You you know, you know, you get this. I would say, yeah, because I'm a counselor, I talk to these crazy motherfuckers. That's why I'm armed. <laughs> I'm like, do you understand? At any minute, don't think that every night if I treat a patient or I'm coming out of a private practice where I'm at, dude, and I'm doing some work, that whenever I've worked all day, that I'm not walking out the parking lot looking around. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look. I look. I look around because whose husband or whose whatever's friend of a friend that, you know, took some advice or something that we said to heart and mm-hmm. now I'm the guy to blame, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and then other people, you know, you don't, a certain clients I won't take on, you know, and somebody dealing it's mad. Dude, we're in the field that we're in. So yeah, because I see the clients that I see. We do, we do work in a field where, you know, not all mentally ill people are like this by any means, but, no, you know, no. are struggling with psychological issues. But I, I think in some ways the threat is higher for us because we work with people who uh, are more extreme sometimes. So at the same time, right, shouldn't we be also like, fuck yeah, no one should have guns. Mm-hmm. We talk to people, a lot of people that should not have weapons. Sure. You yeah. know, so I do that too. So that's why mm-hmm. I get caught in the middle. You know, that's why I'm like... Where is that subjective line? Where does that notion get drawn to where you're okay to have a weapon mm-hmm. and you're not? Yeah, you know, because look, people, I don't think it can be diagnosis driven. If you, I don't believe it can be based off of a diagnosis. Okay, you qualify for um, schizophrenia, or you qualify for depression, or you qualify. You know, you can't base it off of a diagnosis. I don't think you would uh, do basically anything justice with that you know you would probably be taking uh, a spread of people who do those sorts of horrible crimes and generalizing it to everybody who has that diagnosis you can't accurately predict uh, violence there's not a test out there to predict um, violent behavior there's not a test out there there's not even a test for depression well, <laughs> there's no, there isn't. There's no scientific test to where I can test you and go, yep, you definitely have depression. Oh, you mean in terms of like medical things, right? Yeah, you know, you, they are getting closer to that. Sure, they they've made some amazing strides in terms of brain imaging and even sometimes. And a lot of that's still guessing, you know, the, though. It is. It's it's still theoretical, right? You know, that's yeah. any sort of uh, medicine is not always a hard science. You know, it's a flexible science, and I think we need to keep all sciences flexible in some ways. Um, you know, that's how we keep making discoveries. Uh, but I think you have to be careful about assigning diagnosis and, um, yeah, and, I mean, what would there is some for a form weapon. of a, yeah. Yeah. And like you said, there's different opinions. I mean, I could see four practitioners in a week and get four different diagnoses, mm-hmm. you know, based on what I curb. So it becomes this mm-hmm. idea of who... 
you know, but are you really telling someone that, look, we've decided that you are not allowed to protect your family with this right, even though someone that may enter your home. Now, look, I'll pull out the statistic that everyone that's anti-gun is going to scream at this fucking podcast with. If you own a gun, more than likely you're going to shoot yourself or be shot with your weapon than you will shoot the person. <laughs> this is the research you see. Okay, I don't know the fucking background on that truth or that research. Is it a double-blind placebo? I don't know. <laughs> Peer-reviewed article. Right, because <laughs> how do you do a double-blind placebo on that test? Because somebody got murdered, right? Somebody came in and, well, he didn't really have a gun, but he did. So, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, so, I mean... I, I don't know. There, do you offer more training? Do you? Well, I think it would be punishing people who didn't do anything wrong either. I think there's more people in this country that didn't do anything wrong with guns than there are that did, and we were we're going to po- punish the greater population of um, the gun population, uh, the gun owner population, um, and I think that's that's not fair either. Is you know the majority suffers because of the few. You said an interesting point there that, you know, mental health isn't wrong, right? It's not something you do technically, right? Mm-hmm. It's something you're experiencing. It's not a crime. Right, you're experiencing. It's not illegal to be mentally ill. Right, You. it's not. So in, Thank God for us. <laughs> thank you. That's yeah, why we can do be podcasts. be locked up, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I see the pause for a moment. You know, my wife even tells me, she's like, look, you have to be with me. So you have to remind yourself, you have to psychoanalyze yourself constantly to stay okay. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you're it's right. Your medication. <laughs> it's all right. psychoanalysis, man. But, you know, but you say that, you know, when you say that mental health isn't wrong. And I think that link links back to the first thing that you said, which was if qualifying or for some subjective notion of right now of mental health diagnosis, because it's not a scientific diagnosis to where mm-hmm. medically we can test you, we can see it, there it is, we know it. Mm-hmm. These mental health diagnoses become subjective. And so if somebody then is reliant upon a subjective idea and, mm-hmm. hey, if I do diagnose you, I get paid because I get to treat you now too. Yeah. So now there's financial incentive to diagnose you. Right, so a lot of it is in your favor. The DSM five has been rewritten to include more people to be right. diagnosed. Well, I mean, you're perfect, and you talk about all this this all the time. Is the disease model of addiction? Mm. It's a model of addiction, That's and right. you've talked about how um, it's right and wrong. How there's parts of it that you strongly disagree with. Yeah, um, and and I, I think that's the other way of you know looking at the diagnosis is. That there's so many different models out there, too. Yeah. Well, yeah. when you say that mental health isn't wrong, again, because it's going to make people mm-hmm. not go get help. Every psychological theory out there um, has three parts. It has, uh, basically, it describes personality theory. It describes uh, psychopathology, how normal behavior goes wrong. And three, how to treat it and make it right again. Uh, So I think there's a lot of different models out there of how people develop mental illness. And biological model is one of them. A disease model is one of them. Um, Environmental. So we have to look at the models that are also used in terms of determining the diagnosis or criteria for taking away someone's weapons. Yeah. And and even like back to your original, the practicality that someone then is thus going to volunteer their weapon. Good fucking luck. You know, especially someone who's deemed mentally ill enough 
to voluntarily give up a weapon and who's going to step in there to cause you know to take this weapon and it does will it escalate violence that uh, otherwise would not have happened if we didn't try and take someone who's mentally ill's weapon dude i think there's a scene out of tombstone that goes, <laughs> that goes right to that remember the herbs the older brother becomes sheriff the younger is, brother follows yeah. suit uh-huh. wyatt shows up and then wild bill's out there acting all drunk shooting at the moon yep. and he goes hey he's breaking the law he's armed Give me your gun. We got to disarm him. Yeah. And he disarmed him and all hell breaks loose, right? Yep. So what happens? So what are they going to do? Kick your fucking door in to come take your weapons? Is that you, Wyatt? I can hear... Is that you, Wyatt? (laughs) I can hear people going now that are anti-gun going, yeah, we're going to kick in your your door, take your fucking weapons, you know? But, I mean, I don't know, dude. This is... Wait, I feel like you're about to say that everybody who wants to take the weapons can meet and get in a boat and go over there to take the guy's weapons. <laughs> like, there you go. You brought it back around to the Middle East again. Here. I did, so... I did, right? And, look, we're going to take all your weapons and put them on the boat. You can then come <laughs> to the boat. We're just transporting your weapons, right? <laughs> They'll all chase the weapons. We can all go, you know, get on the boat, go do our thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and truth is, I don't know. I think we should all just come fucking home. I don't know. Maybe just stop it. There's like a... Is that wrong? There's meet-up groups where you meet Friday nights to go take people's guns. <laughs> right? How's it going? <laughs> I just don't know. I mean, what? How... You know, I'm going to... I want to look that stuff up. But... I don't know exactly how many, you know, people, you know, are dying, but, you know, how many people die each year of peanuts or, you mm-hmm. know, Tylenol or something else. But um, I, I think, we, you know, we have to find a happy mid- middle there where, um, you know, people aren't going to 100 percent give up their guns. But perhaps if we give them away to earn them back, you know, uh, it won't be so much where we're taking away someone's lifelong uh, chance at something. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Cause but I, I think it's also up to the psychologist and the therapist. You know, I don't want to put too much responsibility on us or somebody to do this, but to um, help someone make a good decision to where maybe they would voluntarily uh, give up their guns or weapons for a temporary time until that they know that they're feeling better. You know. Well, you bring up another point. You know, when you say you know a mental health diagnosis, right? It easily could be one of my favorite diagnoses I love to use, which is adjustment disorder because it's one of the weakest <laughs> ones on there. Because if I got to diagnose somebody, mm-hmm. I'm diagnosing them at the least if if it calls for it, right? Sure, we have three or four adjustment disorders a day, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. right? And so, look, if the mental health obviously could be definitely adjustment disorder, it could be divorce, it could be loss of a loved mm-hmm. one, loss of job, etc which can cause a mental health issue and then so like you said before does this mental health experience then qualify them from owning a gun 10 years from now okay so maybe they got to take tests maybe they pass whatever but let me link it to something else man is the idea that is if maybe the mental health thing affected them at one point in their life does this disqualify them for future well does one felony or one misdemeanor then of arrest gun related violence drugs whatever any arrest does this one time offense in their life it may be an adjustment disorder type mm-hmm. moment why does this one arrest then affect them for life like it does right mm-hmm. you got to check the box on the application you know do we add another box you know have you had your guns taken away yeah mm-hmm. you know that that's the same length mm-hmm. you know why why does a felony have to be your judgment we're, we're, well we're, a felony you you know you lose your right to vote too <sighs> i mean and 
I wish we had our socioeconomic professor here, Eric, to right. you know to, to take away the, people's rights to vote because uh, you know where is things the sh- like that. But where is the shadow when the you shadow. need shadow? <laughs> Eric Rittenberry, you better come back on this podcast, sir. And at this moment, we could have used you, yeah. damn socioeconomic psycho. But it is a box. I love you it. know. Yeah, I'm a, you know. So, so you're right, it's another yeah. box. Mm-hmm. You know, so that connection between well, well, could one also argue that the person that probably committed the felony or the misdemeanor possibly could have been because they're suffering from a mental health issue? Well, I, you know, that's something that I I think about quite often and, and talk about with people is that uh, you know this could be a whole other podcast. This is see, I'm I'm starting a new podcast here Just that you're going to have to invite me back for. Uh, this is see, the mental illness in the uh, prison system. See, I think I'm smart, and it's really you that keeps dropping a little bit of seeds, so I have to call your ass back <laughs> to finish a fucking conversation. I do. I, I try and bring it back around. We can really go down the rabbit hole with so many, so much of this stuff. Well, but, but So stay on that, though. Well, mental illness in the jail system, and uh, I know a lot of uh, people who work in the jail system who are psychologists, um, but you have to think about what type of mentality is somebody thinking in if they think that walking into a bank and robbing it with uh, a box cutter and then trying to escape on a bicycle, you know, for somebody to think that's a good idea in order to do it, there's probably something going on with them cognitively, whether it be, you know, addiction or something cognitively, or some sort of possible mental illness. Either way, that's not a good decision, and I think a normal human being thinking in their right mind would not think to rob a bank on a bicycle, you know? Uh, And those, a lot of times, are the people that you find in jail, or people who've been impulsive, or people who have been angry, um, and had a history of making poor decisions. Victim of racism, socioeconomic status. So I think we also have to look at the prison population um, and maybe some of the answers to what we're looking for lies in there. If we work to help a little bit more with these people and treat them for mental illness other than just locking them away and then releasing them again with no real rehab. Yeah. You know, and that's where the prison systems fail is that we punish people for their behaviors, but we never really teach them good, the correct behavior. You know, it's kind of like slapping a child for doing something wrong, but the child doesn't know what to do right next time. Um, You have to teach that child that, no, don't do that. This is what you do. Um, And I think we have to provide some form of rehabilitation uh, in therapy um, to people in prison before we release them. Yeah, I I think... um... We just set them up for failure if we don't. We do. Hey, part of population control, like I just said. (laughs) They poorly educate. They push you into a life of crime almost, Mm. right? But what do they call it? We have to do this before you ship them over to the Middle East on a boat. Castro did it to us in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Does that make it right? (laughs) I'm fucking around, man. (laughs) Hey, man. You know, but... You know, it's true. If mental mental illness or, you know, is looked at as either a crime or looked at something that's going to hold withhold rights from you, and the idea that, look, could we look at crime then as being a symptom 
if drug use is a symptom of mental health, and if violence with weapons in the country is a symptom of mental health, mm-hmm. could we say that crime is a symptom of mental health? And that truthfully, you know, beneath all the other epidemics, the crime epidemics, even though crime is down farther than it's ever been, it's safer to be a police officer than it's ever been before. I don't care what anybody says. Do the research. More officers died years and years ago. It is the safest time to be a cop. And so all of these really, you know, things are changing. So is it really we're just perpetuating bullshit ideas and and really we're missing the whole idea that there's really just a gigantic issue with mental health or maybe just a gigantic social construct issue that maybe what we've designed here Mm -hmm. sets people up for mental failure almost or, or mental success, right? But there's so many angles. But it's like they've divided it all up. We have a gun issue. We have a crime issue. We have a jail issue. Or do we just have a fucking mental health issue? Well, I think mental health is on the same level as all of those. Um, whether it's kind of the, the umbrella over all of those issues. That's what or, I'm saying. Or, you know, maybe there's, you know, equally distributed or little off in terms of percentages that you can attribute to each one. Either way, I think all of these are connected. They're all connected. And that's what we have to look at is the connection between all of these. Well, and is the connection the society? Well, yeah. I mean, you're, you're going to definitely go into some deeper issues about that. But I think in some ways, um, you know, throughout history, part of the definition of what defines um, a form of mental illness is a differential in the, the social functioning of the human, that something has happened to impact or negatively impact their social functioning that contributes to uh, a mental disorder. Uh, I mean, when you look at um, you know species in general, um, biologically, we're all designed to kind of be um, here for survival. And the way to survive is to kind of fit in and be normal in some ways. And any sort of deviation from that threatens our survival as a species. Mm. Um, so I think it is a social issue in a lot of ways because a lot of mental illness um, or psychological distress in general is a um, social construct or related to culture, which is ever-changing and changing even quicker you know, things like social media, things like uh, text messaging. How has that changed uh, communication amongst people? Uh, how has it done it for the better and how has it want, done it for the worst? Uh, the Internet and any sort of technology, it changes uh, the culture of our society um, and uh, more importantly of our species. And how it changes our species is really what matters because that's what's going to determine uh, the survival of humans over a long period of time is how these changes alter our species into the future. And I don't think we think about that enough. And, you know, I don't want to get into like limiting the Internet or limiting things like that. But I sure. think we have to observe the long term uh, survival effects of the species based on what we're doing now. Man. But limiting the Internet, we get into the conversation, which is similar to trying to limiting guns, you know. You were talking about a couple things, and you know, in 2006, just 700,000, 705,600 men, mentally ill adults were incarcerated in state prisons. So you're looking, you know, call it a million people in and out of the turnstiles mm-hmm. too, right? Right. So you're looking at a million people, 
incarcerated were, were mentally ill, right? That's fucking ridiculous. So that seems to be... You, you have to question how accurate that is, too. I mean, are there others that are slipping, what? who are mentally ill, that are slipping through the cracks? Dude, you're good. <laughs> Look, this is also what I have behind it. 80% of individuals affected by depression do not even report or receive or go undiagnosed. Mm-hmm. I do have a question, though. How do they know that if the person's not reporting it? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. It is. It, how do they know 80% individual if it's not reported, how do they know that 80% of people aren't reporting if they know they're not reporting it? We need people like you in this, this society to point out that <laughs> fact. I'm just going to want to know that, though. Right? Because uh, there's a stat even about mm-hmm. like rape victims, right? And 80% of rapes go un- unreported. Right. How the fuck do you know that? Well, I think part of it is from probably not at, you know, they can still do a peer-related... There's some algorithm. Yeah, they they can do that and find effect sizes and parts mean, of research that are... It's fancy research stuff. Yeah. They can figure some of it out, too. Make a a, a relatively accurate uh, percentage or portion, but even then, usually if you read the discussion, obviously there's a caution taken when you... You have to report something like that, but yeah, uh, yeah, no. There's, it's pretty amazing what we can do with like statistics and research, and not all statistics are just made up. You have to be careful of the re, the who's doing the statistics. If it's you know you and me today, we've do, uh, joked about peer related, uh, peer reviewed uh, journals and things like that. And even a lot of that's taken scrutiny now because peer review mm-hmm. necessarily don't mean what it fucking used to mean mm-hmm. because. I got enough money. You know who's peer reviewed is, is is motherfucking Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin. That's a peer review. I can give enough of Benjamin Franklin to my peers, and they're gonna review it how I need them to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these gigantic corporations, pharmaceutical companies included, take advantage of these universities, and they find these wise guys, and they find these researchers. And you pay enough money, motherfucker, I can get research to tell you whatever I whatever I wanted to. You know, this is why I am excited about the universities because I think if there's any going to be real strides in the medical community and maybe even in the mental health community, it's going to come from the education. It's going to come from places like universities who you have young students, young kids, people um, who have kind of these ideas of changing the world to go into school and actually do the research where they're not influenced by... Uh, the outer, you know, uh, influences, but they're motivated through their own intrinsic uh, motivation to want to solve the, you know, mysteries of the world, to want to fix medical issues, to want to treat uh, people who have mental illness or, you know, even uh, solving the issue of cancer. You know, there's students out there who are passionate about really... Um, you know, uh, healing cancer. Well, and I think you're going to get that in the university system versus you know, um, ABC pharmaceutical company. You know, I it, funny you mentioned that man. There was a group that we were talking about called the SSDP, and it's Students for Sensible Drug Policy. And they were at the uh, drug convention up in DC, this drug policy uh, drug policy alliance convention. In uh, Washington, D.C., Glenn Marshall was just there. Big convention. Everybody was there. It's funny. Everybody was there except the biggest representatives in treatment. 
Betty Ford didn't show up, and Hazleton didn't even show up at the Drug Policy <laughs> Alliance. Didn't even come. But this uh, SSDP, right, it's called Students for Sensible Drug Policy. These are the soon-to-be doctors, psychologists, physicians, psychiatrists, right, of multiple universities. They have chapters all across the country, and they're bringing sensible discussion about drugs and policy like you're talking about, you know, bringing that from the university. So I'm, I'm going to curb a topic for us, you know. Um, I, I talked to a couple of friends about free college and free education mm-hmm. and paying athletes, et cetera, mm-hmm. kind of this whole idea of free education. And I've quickly seen people that when they talk about free education respond with this notion of, oh, fuck no, college shouldn't be free, right? And then I kind of respond and go, you know you still got to make the grades, right? Mm-hmm. You, like, you know you still got to earn your degree. You don't just get to go mm-hmm. because it's paid for. You have to do the work. Mm-hmm. You know, and to quote Bob Marley, if education is the key, why isn't it free? And it's almost as if people respond in a Manchurian candidate response, as if, look, I had to pay for it and experience it, therefore so should they, rather than the generation should be better than me, mm-hmm. and they should get the experience without the debt. So, uh, you know, I wish the shadow was here for this because, you know, it, it, Look at our education system that's government-run. Well, you I'm want gonna, them wanna, running the college? Yeah. Well, I want to connect the point because you said – I want to connect the point that you brought up about the universities being a great hub mm-hmm. for advancement in our society, which mm-hmm. I believe they are. But they're also curbed by finance. They're curbed by um, – uh, Grants mm-hmm. and who gives out that money, right? And who finances it? So but look at it this way, mm-hmm. you know. Well, since we're here in Central Florida, mm-hmm. think about what it would mean for UCF if they um, learned how to kill cancer. Right. It would, well, I'm going to get there. All you right. Know? You're ahead. They of me. do it for themselves. All right. You're ahead of me. All right. Mm-hmm. So there was a time where colleges, the way professors earn their ten years, whatever, was through publishing, through research. They mm-hmm. had to affect our culture mm-hmm. in a way, somehow. Right. The universities earn their keep that way. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about free college, and then colleges go, whoa, 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 we got to pay people. This is expensive. We got to pay, you know, people. Well, look, this is where I'm going to tell you. You got to pay those people. So you better start researching some shit. Mm-hmm. You better invent something. You better cure something. You better come up with something. Your professors better write some books. Yeah. You know, right? And you better find some rich graduates to put their name on the fucking building. Mm-hmm. Or remember, maybe instead of buying your building so they can yeah. put their son through college, maybe you uh, have them invest in your re- R&D de- department. And right? if maybe you don't, we're going to go hire somebody who can. That's right. And so what you do is you make – and even pay the athletes too. Pay those college fucking mm-hmm. athletes because what is a college going to say mm-hmm. when they go, well, college is free. So what are you going to tell the athletes you're making billions of dollars on when you go, we're giving you a free, expensive, blown up, puffed up education. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go, not anymore. It's free, motherfucker. What are you giving me now? Mm-hmm. So pay the athletes, right? And you know what? If the college wants to teach the model of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, research, and you can make anything happen, well, then the college should have to live by the same fucking rules. If that's what you're selling – if you're selling innovation, if you're selling corporate ladder, if you're selling new discoveries, well, guess what, college? If you want people to come to it, you better invent something. Mm-hmm. You better come up with something. You better cure something. You better do something to make some money. And if you can do that, then great. And then guess what? Our society, our community becomes better educated. Our people become less zombies. I mean, that's – so like you said, I'm speaking to your point that if the mm-hmm. colleges are allowed to flourish – 
how they are. Without major corporate influence, I also think you would get much less of a liberal college. Mm -hmm. I think the college becomes a liberal haven because of the financial influence from the corrupt side of the colleges, too. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think you almost downplay both sides of the parties by kind of going, all right, guys, become the hub of new. Become the hub of research again. Mm -hmm. Cultivate your students, not through fucking programs that meet standards, but allowing your students to invent, to free think, to cr to critically yeah. think. Mm -hmm. You know? Absolutely. Fucking lost my shit there for a minute. I, but I believe that, dude. Mm -hmm. You know? But how many people are reacting to that free education side, right? They, they, they say no. Uh, yeah. It, and I don't really agree with it. You know, I, I don't agree that the the colleges should be free. All right. I don't. <laughs> yes. You finally got me to put out an opinion on something. Well, allow, um, allow you to retort. Well, I, I think, you know, one of my issues with the colleges is the government getting involved with student loans, which yeah. further kind of says that, That's you know, awful. the government needs to stay out of the college systems. Right. Um, Agreed. I think I think once the government got involved and became that third party in a way between the consumer or you know the student in the college, uh, the colleges were able to raise their tuitions, which was good because it benefited the colleges and they were able to build buildings and the research that we talk about that's going to save people's lives in the future. Um, but at the same time, I think. Uh, colleges probably took a little bit of an advantage of that because they saw an unlimited pool of money from the Department of Education and yeah. says, okay, well, you know, we'll throw some uh, student forgiveness programs out here and we'll build, these build the, the government large portions of money for us to get paid for the student's um, education and then the student has to pay back the government in terms of the student loans. Uh, and I create. I think it created a dangerous dynamic there amongst um, the education um, between a student and a college, and the free market of being able to choose that college, and for what reasons. Uh, I think the finances are a different. You know, a big issue with that. I also think that you know, in terms you talked about colleges and being liberal, and uh, I think you also have to look at kind of the age group in which goes there. Sure. Um, you mean ones less affected by the greed and the corrupt of our social <laughs> constructs. Now, just to throw in a point, mm -hmm. I don't think that the government should be paying for the college either. By free college, I don't mean that it's supplemented by the government. Mm -hmm. I don't at all. Who would you suggest it's supplemented by? The free market. And so if, if the college can perform mm -hmm. by research, by studies, by they make money. Mm-hmm. And if you cultivate your students along the way to help you invent, make things, mm -hmm. you become a real business. And it becomes a, if it's a business in a free market, then my college runs based on my students. Mm -hmm. And so my students really become how I make my money because they bring the new thoughts, the new thinking, the critical <laughs> thinking to my well-educated right. departments. And so my departments earn their salaries by all the research and R&D that we do, the donations that we get to our schools for what we provide. I think the universities become self-sustaining and not out of the pockets of those that are willing to put the work in to make the grade, to do the research, to add to the benefit of society. I do not think the government should be paying for it. 
So that what that would do is actually create a culture of um, just kind of uh, you could communal. Still, you'd still have <laughs> you'd still have football. You still it would got be your, all communal. But you still have your Spartans. You still mm-hmm. have your Trojans. Your Seminoles. Your Gators. You still have your alliances to your schools. Your sports are still there. Mm-hmm. They're still buying tickets. Everybody's still spending money. Now you're paying these athletes because they can't work anyway. So you're distribu- distributing evenly a little bit more money. The kids get to make a living anyway, mm-hmm. right? They're earning the school money. The school is making. Bunches of money on their sports and their travel and their fanfare mm-hmm. and what they do. They sell shit to the students. I mean, hell, maybe the dorms become, you know, you pay rent. So maybe I don't have to be a student loan. The dorms included with tuition. Tuition's free. I pay maybe rent. I pay two, $300 a month to have a dorm. You know, so you find ways that the college itself becomes self-sustaining by its own pride and its own research and cultivating has a reason now to go. We just don't accept everybody because the government pays us. Sure. I mean, it's a great point. And, uh, you know, it would be interesting to see a college that kind of goes out and tries that. But at the same time, uh, you know, the college is going to be losing millions of dollars in tuition you know, so that's going to be coming out of somewhere. What would they be doing for the advancement of our species and our culture? God forbid. <laughs> God forbid we did something like educate our children for the advancement of our species rather than profit. Well, that would, yeah, you said it. That would suggest that we had to do something other than profit. So. That's right. God forbid we try to make a world better with the kids that we have to give it to. What are you, man? Are mentally ill? <laughs> well, I, I don't report it, so I'm in the 80%. <laughs> Going to take your guns away. <laughs> I'm applauding myself on it. And you, too. That's a good one on that one, man. I mean, but it's true, dude. I'm going to have to drink a blue moon after all that deep shit. I mean, fuck, man. We can get deep, deeply philosophical, man. We've hit on a little bit of everything today, from uh, guns to mil- mental illness to the college system to the jail system. And... Yeah. What else you got? Hmm. That was it? That's it. What else you got listed there? What else are we, we covering? We there? hit everything. I think this is the first time we hit everything we were going to talk about. Dude. We've run out of things to talk about. Are you kidding? No way. Not. A, are you? A, a, wait a minute. Just give it a second. Just give it a second. Give it a second. Drink a beer. Sip your beer for a second. And something will pop in your mind about Throw a random topic out there. Just free association. This is Freudian right now. Just say whatever comes to your head. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, I got to tell you, I, I saw when on The Daily Show when Trevor Noah decided to do, and the writers decided to do a five-minute gotcha bit toward anonymous they made fun of us or they made fun of anonymous <laughs> and sorry the freudian slip yeah there <laughs> yeah. you go oops You're not anonymous anymore shit you've been outed <laughs> right I, i'm not a or na i'm just a <laughs> right but adam a you give yeah. him some right just a faction of the freemasons be careful <laughs> so we have to transform and rebrand ourselves You're an a anyway <laughs> So if you saw what these people were doing is Trevor Noah made a little joke about how, you know, Anonymous declared war against ISIS. And they really did. Anonymous is like, look, we're going to war with you. We declare war on you. Watch watch this shit. And so Trevor thought it would be funny in the writers of The Daily Show to do a little parody about, ooh, you know, what are you guys going to do, you know, at all? And thought it would be funny. 
And then at the very end of that whole bit, the camera quickly turns left and Trevor looks in the camera all serious and goes, no, but seriously, we did this just to be funny. Please don't hack our stuff. We really like what you do. We're just kidding. (laughs) Right. And they just backed out real quick. And then they really did it, you know, declare war and they're hacking Twitter accounts and all these things that people may joke about, you know, like, oh, good. They hacked their Twitter account. Right. But it's how they're communicating their message. They're using social media, which one of them I thought was funny on the parodies they did. They said, we hate Western culture, but we use Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? We fight for Allah, but we're on Facebook. <laughs> right? <laughs> the Western culture destroys everything, but we use YouTube. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and so it's how they're distributing messages. So when you can attack them cyberly, this is the world we live in. And if you look up online, dude, some of these fucking... Whoa! Some of the things mm-hmm. that they that they have done, they found pictures that they've put up, videos they found, and they've changed faces. Mm-hmm. They've made them cartoon characters. They made them saying different things. They got the ISIS flag mm-hmm. hanging up, but they make it say something else. You know, like we love dicks. <laughs> like, dude, they're fucking. They went at them in an embarrassment. Oh. You know, I mean, hardcore. And I couldn't help but look at some of those things and go, okay. You know, I thought about Charlie Hebdo. Right, some of this mm-hmm. other stuff that that happened and the responses just to those people, you know. And I'm looking anonymous, and I'm kind of like, "Well, who are you gonna attack? <laughs> are you gonna attack the internet? You know, mm-hmm. who are you gonna go after because they made fun of these religious, you mm-hmm. know, symbols and ideas? Mm-hmm. You know, who are you really gonna go after? And it's it's scary out there, man. When you really think about what's going on, and you see those videos, you know mm-hmm. that you talk about. It's hard not to watch and get angry. Well, I, I think, you know, you, we can't live in fear. You know, mm-hmm. fear is a great equalizer that keeps us from doing what we really want to be doing in life. You know, if we lived our lives without fear, um, we probably would have uh, tried out for the baseball team or asked out that girl back in high school or. Uh, maybe tried to get into a certain college we wanted to go to or go for a certain job. Fear is what holds us back in life. And where we really lose is when terrorists instill fear in us. It takes away our lives. And fear, I believe, is one of the core emotions behind most psychopathology and mental illness, uh, is that at the very center of it is it's driven by fear. Depression, anxiety, PTSD, OCD, um, even schizophrenia is impacted by fear. Um, I, I think fear is, you know, at the very center of a lot of mental illness. And I think fear, uh, you know, it served a, an adaptive purpose for us at one time. Fear was used for survival, and I think a lot of times that we misperceive survival in some ways that triggers that deeper inner fear that our life is threatened Um, and you can get into your cognitive we could get into cognitive things about the perceptions and what's driving that yeah no Um, no, i like where you're going dude i'm in but we can't live our lives according to fear because if we do then uh, i think the terrorists win with that and i think every day every time you wake up in the morning and step out of your side step outside of the house to go to work um, a lot of our behavior is driven by fear the way we drive, um, the way we maybe from the very seconds we get out of bed, you know, sometimes people still in bed have an anxiety, fearful of the day, um, fear about what to wear, fear about um, having your being on schedule, going through your little more morning routine, uh, fear of 
you know, driving to work, how you drive to work, you know, the method in which you drive to work. Do you drive fast or do you drive slow? Um, what's going to happen at work that day? I think if people slow down and question the motives of fear behind all of their behaviors, I think they would find that a lot of their behavior is driven by fear or they are held back by fear. Mm. Dude, I, I would, you know, I've, I've talked, I've had that argument with some people before. I've said that, look, everything's driven by fear, right? And because it's not a romantic notion, a lot of people don't want to buy into that idea that it's fear driven. Mm-hmm. And I said, all right. I said, give me anything that you want, and I bet I can connect it to fear. Very and, close. And, and yeah. I've had people attempt. They go, uh, do this, right? I, well, I've, um, well, I, I eat a hamburger. And I'm like, in fear, you may never get to eat a hamburger again. You happen to have the money to buy it at the time, so you fear it. You like the taste. That you, you know, I'm going to have it. You know what? I deserve it. Matter of fact, why do I feel like I can't have a hamburger? <laughs> Oh, you know what? No, I deserve it. Fear that you can't afford it, couldn't have it, not supposed to have it, but you had it. Right? Fear. I think you're right, man. Fear. I. You know where I really get feedback when I t- when I take that same notion. And I say, look, people don't fall in love. Oh yeah. People fall in fear. Oh yeah. <laughs> and they look at me and go, "What? Boo!" Right? They. Sorry for the loud one. They boo you. Right? They look at you and say, "Look." Like, I'm just trying to explain a notion here. Look, if you and I are laying in a foxhole and we're taking machine gun fire, right, and we're trying to get out this bitch, and we're taking bullets, barely getting whizzed by, and we get out of that shit alive, more than likely, we're going to be tight, dog. You know, we're going to be like, let's mm-hmm. hang out, man. We're going to be boys, right? We survived something. So I think when relationships, two people meet each other, right? I think they meet each other. This person's been through gunfire before. This person's taken their shots before so they have their defenses and their shield right although they both kind of want to connect in a relationship which is in the middle right it's like a game of paintball right Mm -hmm. so they're both moving toward the target potentially which could be connection relationship love so they have defenses they have defenses so as they're approaching the same target they're using the same defenses then they kind of realize and they go hey you've been hurt before yeah i've been hurt before too and so what happens is, I don't know, I just feel connected to you. And the idea is you're using the same defenses as you approach the relationship. So it feels like you're wired the same. But really, you've both been cheated on and you've both had something similar. So you move toward the advancement of a relationship with the same defense mechanisms, thinking that you're connected. And you've really connected in fear. But you like to call it love because it sounds better. It is a great theory. <laughs> I'm Isn't not going to lie. That's... That, that's a pretty good. Is that convincing? Well, maybe not convincing, but it's a <laughs> it's a great theory of it. You know, I, I like that 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 can be driven by that. You yeah. know, I, I think all relationships. Could you argue the fear to be alone is driving relationships anyway? Yeah. Or or is it the need to be loved and accepted? Because does love and acceptance come prior to the fear that happens? Mm. I think it goes back to a basic premise and. Um, it's that all behavior is acts out in one's self-interest. Oh, we went and down I, this fucking text message road, didn't we? I think we've talked about this before. No, 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 this, no. no? We, we started a text message, and I sent you one, and then you answered That's back right. with this shit. Yeah. And I, we, I got deep for, we took like three days. It did. That was. Because I was spotty. I couldn't get back to it. Because you disagreed with it. And then you thought about it and came back to me. And, we, yeah. yeah. And, but we never really finished. And I felt guilty because I loved the, the discussion. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't get to it. I was really busy. I was going through it. You know, I had like tons of shit I was running to. And now you bring it up, you fucker. 
<laughs> we should have made an entire podcast of this. this no, we're, we're right here. Yeah, okay, and we'll do it. Yeah, okay, so what was your fucking... All right, you got to go back now, too, because you talked about everything is done because of the self-interest of some kind. Right, and, and I, I have to give, uh, yeah, you know... Dude, give me a second. I'm going to let it shit run. Uh-huh. I can't. I, I got to pee. <laughs> you know what? I'll edit it, spend the time, and promo your business. I really got a P2, so it works oh, out. We'll promo your business while I'm using the bathroom. Oh, no, we'll split it. Yeah. If we use the time to also record, because I can edit and cut it out. Right? Okay. Go from memory. <laughs> I, remember, I remember my response because I answered. I remember my response because I answered you. Um, and then I remember when I answered you, all I was trying to do was play devil's advocate, to be honest. I know. So I tried to play devil's advocate with some sort of unconditional love reply. You started to talk about unconditional love, I think, is what you started to do. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think you stated that. Everything that we do as humans, no matter what you were thinking, possibly could be selfishly motivated. No matter what. That nothing that we do, even if it's anonymous and we just do something kindly, it's because it's for our own selfish gain. It was something like that you were talking about, I think. Yeah, Yeah, and it... 
it basically comes from the, I want to give Adam Smith, one of the fathers of uh, economics, credit for that because uh, it's actually one of the, the theories of economy, you know, and economics. I think a lot, you know, you, know, you learn that if you take that class is uh, about all behavior is in one's self-interest. And I think when um, you can apply that to psychological theory as well, and I'm not really sure why sometimes there's not a more um, pronounced theory on the self related to all behavior being in one's self-interest. Uh, and it goes back to survival, that you have to act and behave in a way that works best to preserve the self. And uh, when you do that, Obviously, they've used it in terms of, you know, economics, but in terms of psychology as well, I think it's an important thing to look at what drives behavior. And we applied it to love the other day through kind of our, our just text messages and things like that about um, there is no real charity behind behavior in a way because we do it, we give money or we give charity to feel good about ourselves. And uh, to contradict that would not act in one's own best interest. You would have to give massive amounts of money in order for you to feel bad about giving the money for it to actually be genuine. Um, so that was kind of the text message conversation that we got into about love and if there really was anything um, called love out there because that, if love was uh, truly unconditional, um, then we would, uh, you know, if, if it was really truly unconditional, um, we would do it not in our own interest. But even in not doing it in our own interest, we get some sort of reward or benefit or positive feeling back for doing it. Uh, so I kind of challenged the, the, you know, the notion on uh, just love in general and to give me an example of an area where uh, all behavior wasn't in some form of self-interest. Uh, and I think we, we put out some pretty funny uh, uh, examples of that. Um, but it does kind of beg the, the question that we love somebody uh, because we feel good about it. Mm. And then you could add fear into that, that I'm afraid of losing this person um, because this person was in my best interest in terms of feelings or thoughts or needs in my perception mm -hmm. so it really so what you're really saying is man that's a that's why it was difficult to respond back to is there any such behavior that really comes back as being unconditional right parents could argue the fact right their love their whatever but being they receive something from it which uh, means that it's in some form of self-interest right so what is the behavior then that exists if somebody actually is listening to this and you think that you can come up with a behavior that in some way can't be traced back to self-interest, email cognitiverampage at gmail.com or tweet mm -hmm. Adam Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, com or Cognitive Rampage on Twitter or... I think that's the best. Uh, we'll keep it all on one thing. I think right. that's. Yeah, I want right. to be able to see it all on one one right. blog there. Yeah, I don't I, have the blog anyway, so there's yeah. no way to comment on. We'll it. find the Facebook too of Cognitive Rampage, and if maybe you're listening and you look up Rampage real quick, go to the page, post on there, um, put it on my timeline. I'll read it, you know, and I'll add it to the timeline. 
and maybe we can start a running well, conversation. I'll start with it, and maybe you know you can also challenge this as the only real, you know, to act in not your own self interest in terms of charity. You would have to basically give everything you own to not be in your self interest. Would it? Would it have to be everything? Could it be? I mean, it could be like let's know. say I needed to pay rent and I needed to pay electric and I needed to pay water and I'm going to take my month's check and just give it all to charity. Yeah. I mean, is that enough for me to feel bad about it? <laughs> or do I still derive some sort of pleasure knowing that I sacrificed my rent, I sacrificed mm-hmm. my I'm a martyr. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You get the martyrism, man. I don't know. It's yeah. a hell of a question, man. Because what you're really trying to state is that unconditional love does not exist. Or do you like the misery of feeling bad, mm. which would still be in some form of self-interest? That, it's a reward. Like the melancholy. It's I like feeling bad, and I'm going to do something to. I deserve it. It feels good to feel bad, so I'm going to do something against to put myself in that position. Mm. I mean, so really, like I said, really, theoretically, you're arguing that unconditional Mm. love does not exist. Mm. I guess the other thing could be maybe like suicide bombers, kamikazes. You look at like World War II with kamikazes. Is that unconditional? Is that devotion, unconditional faith? Or is that just stupid, psycho, vulnerable fucks that have no idea what the fuck they're doing? It could be a product of brainwashing in some form. (laughs) Yeah, just a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> kamikaze i mean the people who ran the planes into the you know, that's they weren't yeah. acting in their best interest i'll tell you that or or were they made to the, believe they were because remember you did it for country you did it family for, that's yeah. right they will yeah. take care of your family everything will be good so yeah and but that's not really your interest that's true but you would feel good about it while you were Are doing you it. Are you saying that suicide is the most selfless thing that you can do? No, no, <laughs> you are not doing that. I'm just saying. That's kind of what you're saying, man. That's not what I'm saying at all. In no way. In no way. <laughs> Are you backing me. yourself up here? No, I, I would. In terms of like, like suicide bombers, I guess is what I was kind of thinking of. You know, obviously suicide in terms of mental oh, illness is different. And then you can, you know. No. Oh, I'm going to connect it. Nope. It doesn't work because they get to be a hero that helped the further takeover of their country. They inflicted pain into the enemy. Thus, they go down a hero. But it's their thoughts because that's not real. Because they're not going to be a hero. They're not going to receive a reward. It is because there is no reality. Remember, there is no reality. Their perception is reality. So Mm -hmm. if all it takes is convincing their perception that they're a hero then that perception itself is the reward. And then truly itself, dive bombing and blowing yourself up is not selfless. Suicide is not selfless because your imagination of it. Because even if you kill yourself based on the fact you think you're relieving somebody of you being the stress, well then truthfully, that's not selfless either. Because yeah, you may be ending your life, but you're actually hurting those around you and you kind of get the last laugh in your mind. is fine, I'll show you so you can be guilty the rest of your life. So that, too, it's not selfless. It's actually an act of selfishness and reward. If you can, if you can qualify death as not being the ultimate mm-hmm. lose-lose, you know? Well, I think it's a different form of suicide. You know, sure. I think there's a big difference in being, you know, uh, somebody who strapped a bomb to themselves or was a kamikaze in World War II versus somebody who's depressed. 
But they gave them the hero speech, though, didn't they, right? You're going down as a hero, right? Well, this is what they tell these bombers, right? It's not about the virgins, but Mm -hmm. it's about the idea about being a hero, that for Allah, they're fighting. It's a purpose. So So you're given the reward prior to the behavior. That's right. Versus in behaviorism, where you're given the reward after the behavior. So it goes against the premise of behaviorism. They get a reward on two fronts. I wonder if B.F. Skinner and Watson ever had this discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Well, their role, they get a twofold. Twofold. They get the reward forefront by being the brave hero who's chose to do this all the way up before the date. They also get the perception of the reward at the end of the action. So if that perception is real, they can reward. Dude, they're looking back mm-hmm. going, all right. So they have to be doing that behavior in the best interest of themselves. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because my, you're taking my own theory and selling me on it. Yeah, so. because it's the afterlife. Yeah. Right? That's what I'm saying. I'm mm-hmm. trying to, I'm saying because they have this afterlife, this honor, mm-hmm. this for the cause, for Allah, for my family. Right, well, you're getting into the what, 72 virgins now. Yeah. I mean, but even if the virgin part, because people argue that, it's, I can even argue the fact that the idea that they think that they're being a hero for their family. Mm-hmm. Or a hero for the cause or the hero for the, the movement. Is rewarding enough to do it in their own best interest. And if their perception is the reward at the end of it is even greater. Well, then, mm-hmm. fuck, they're rewarded on both fronts, man. I'm a hero on the back end and I'm a fucking martyr on the other end. Mm-hmm. You know, they're winning twofold. And if perception is really what reality is, then, yeah, I'm not going to say mm-hmm. that dive bombing anything or blowing yourself up. That is the most selfish, selfish fucking thing you can do. <laughs> it's kind of going, you can go die and be a nobody. Or we'll sell you on the idea that you can be a hero and be a somebody. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So I think, That's look, bad. It That's is. It's evil. They do. They sell you on the evil. idea that you can be a rock in this desert and die amongst it and disappear. Or you can help fight for some greater cause of the thing that created you. No. Huh? Well, their education goes as far as not very extent. Mm-hmm. They're not taught to critically think. I mean, a lot of those people are, you know, maybe could it could... Muslim extremism, could Christian extremism, could all of the extremism, ISIS included, also be a symptom of mental health? I've thought about that as well. We are not the only culture um, relegated to mental illness. All cultures have some form of mental illness. Uh, They have a diagnosis of mental illness, and they have some form of treatment for mental illness. And even in rural cultures... Um, that's been documented. Uh, so I think, you know, in terms of the Middle East and religion, they are not um, protected from mental illness. They, too, have their own. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times maybe we're dealing with these people who we think that are terrorists that we automatically stereotype as being um, it's because of their religion or it's because of the color of their skin or the region they're from that... Uh, it, no, it's because these people are mentally ill. Let me in ask some you something. Ways. How long does it take before backcountry Dr. Parker Mott <laughs> starts to get a little unstable when he hasn't had a little physical contact? When there hasn't been a little sexual, how long can you really go before you're freaking out? That's a good, good question. A, a week, a day, an hour? Mm-hmm. Right? How far can you go? Right? Because we have men as natural urges. Right? Well, put yourself in a culture and a society mm-hmm. that, dude, you can't express any of that genetic, biological, primal stuff, and they've convinced you on the most part. If you express it, you're evil. To limit yourself, right? Yeah. 
although the leaders over there, a lot of people have harems of young boys. I mean, some of the military guys are talking, you know, uh, to where they've attacked, you know, soldiers from Afghanistan and Iraq that have young boys mm-hmm. as harem sexual slaves. It's fucking sick, mm-hmm. you know. So, but if you take a culture that has suppressed natural primal things mm-hmm. like sex and you suppress that in the male population over time and there's no outlet and all they're preached to is, well, Sharia. Women are covered up. I mean, I mean, I'm saying if you suppress all these natural, <laughs> I'm serious. You suppress all these natural things. Look what happens to dudes in prison. They go gag sometimes. You know what I mean? Like you will adapt to the environment based on primal urges, right? So you're saying that terrorism is due to uh, lack thereof of sex. That's brilliant, Doctor Freud. I know. I'm just saying. No, no, no. no. I mean, I mean, sub- psychosexual theory of terrorism here. <laughs> no, I mean suppression, suppression of natural primal things, not just sex, creative, thinking, uh, creativity, painting, music, song, family, togetherness, love, connection, acceptance. You're spitting straight Freud right now. I don't know, dude. That drives are all driven by sex in some ways. No, not drives. I'm, what I'm saying is is because they don't get those behaviors. Mm-hmm. They don't get those experiences that may be... You well, know, drives being like libido, the energy. Right, right, right. They don't have those experiences. Released. That, yeah, it doesn't have to be a sexual thing. I'm just saying that's just part of it. You know, because look, we're 90 fucking 4% chimp. You know what I mean? Look, we want to fuck. That just happens. And so if you suppress it, it becomes a moral judgment. Well, you're suppressing all. There's a lot of problems there, man. Shit. Mm-hmm. Let's assume how much of the population is gay, but they have to. If it's really genetic and biological, I mean, how much of the society? What if ISIS is just a bunch of gay people, a bunch <laughs> of gay guys that have had to suppress it, and they're freaking the fuck out because they can't be who they are, and they have to come together and blow shit up. I know it's crazy. It's funny. I actually heard that shit on Bert, Bert Kreischer said that shit on Joe Rogan. But I mean, but I mean it from a real psychological standpoint outside mm-hmm. of the Burt Kreischer joke, which is funny it may, <laughs> it may hold a quarter water, but I mean, it's full suppression. Sure. It, they can't be themselves. You know, they can't be themselves, can't have family in certain ways. They can't express their needs, their ideas, their sex, their, you know, and they're not just told that it's wrong politically. They're told that it's wrong spiritually for right. them to express those things. So it could be. You know, if you want to look at, like, needs theory or even, like, Maslow's needs a hierarchy of, you know, the self-actualization, that is basic are needs aren't getting met in certain ways. And uh, sex is one, and then you can tie it in with um, the drives at sex. Uh, well, even poverty, the socioeconomic and the nutritional value, the, everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, we list them as, as what, psychosocial stressors, you know, fin- financial stressors, uh, you know, interpersonal stressors, family stressors. Add those up in a mental health diagnosis if you live in Beirut. They got an adjustment disorder. You know, there's some sections of Beirut, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're living in the middle of this shit. Yeah. Well, what's your fucking biopsychosocial look like, dog? Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? So what is what becomes your outlet? Not, you know? Well, I, I'm sure that, you know, the, that would be interesting to kind of look at how mental health is treated over there. And I think in, in places all over the world, mental health is treated in terms of religion. And here too. I, well, yeah, here too. Yeah, 12, um, 12 steps, buddy. Well, even psychology in some ways is, you know, the therapy that we do with certain people can be limited in terms of um, within a certain scope. 
Yeah. Uh, so I think there's nothing wrong with religion. Uh, I encourage everybody to find kind of their own spiritual beliefs and explore well, look, things. And but research I think, is there, bro. Research yeah. shows that, look, if you really have a belief and affirm mm-hmm. in something that's positive, mm-hmm. it fucking works. I always encourage people to bring that into therapy with them because I, I think it's a big part of them and it can be used very positively. Um, but I think in countries where, um, you know, religion is different and mental health is treated differently... Um, or not understood at all or associated at all except through the paradigm of religion, um, then it's not going to be treated appropriately. Yeah, I would agree with you, man. So, I mean, really, when we can look at a lot of things, I mean, I think what we've talked about on the scope from guns to religion to ISIS to terrorism to unconditional, I mean, look mm-hmm. at it on many levels, man. What, what I'm really looking at is... Possibly what we're looking at is a, a, a total global mental health issue from all aspects, you know, incorporated with environmental influences, lack mm-hmm. of education, corruption and poor. I mean, this is what we're really dealing with, man. Yeah. I mean, could pollution, we, could, well, nutritional aspects, nutrition. biological. Yeah. 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 And how it shapes generations, because, you know, you, you, you're malnutritious in one generation. It gets passed down, passed down, passed down, and it changes brain chemistry because... Uh, you you know, have fucking morons. <laughs> Remember yeah. that movie, uh, Idiocracy? Fuck yeah, man. I, uh, I quote that, that movie. I use that a lot in terms of an analogy and treatment sometimes about how um, people around us can, can be and how society is going in a certain direction. I think it's it, it's a funny, silly movie, but I think there's some, I don't know. How there's far, some really kind of... How far are we from yeah. really watering the crops with Gatorade? <laughs> I mean, isn't that kind of what GMO and these fucking pesticides and steroids were giving these motherfuckers? Uh-huh. Isn't it kind of a funny parody way of saying we're giving the fucking uh-huh. plants Gatorade, wondering why they won't grow? <laughs> you Absolutely. know, you're, you're right. Yeah. God, dude. And getting away from just our basic sense of our basic common sense in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, you know I, you know what? I'm, all right, everybody listening, I'm gonna let everybody in, including Doctor Parker Ma, on one of my secrets on how. Well, I don't want to use the word manipulate, but how I manage to get by sometimes. Have you ever been in line for something and then you've waited for an hour and then you realize you get to the front and maybe you left your ID? Or maybe you just pulled up to something. Maybe you took an hour to get somewhere. You get there and you go, shit. You lost your ID. You for lost the pet. Maybe the daughter that you have. Maybe you have a 15-year-old daughter and she's <laughs> plays volleyball. And you're all the way out at a Disney program. And you have to get into the tournament. But they left their pass back at the hotel room. And... Oh wait, that was too specific. <laughs> and, and right, and it's gonna let you run with it, right? And so maybe it's just one of those moments, right, where something's just not working out, and you're like, "Fuck!" And the person's looking at you, going, "You know, I'm sorry. It's just policy. You know, it's just this is my this is what I do. This is my secret. All right, it works. It fucking works." You go, "Okay, listen, I'm not gonna get mad because I understand where you're sitting. I get where the situation you're in." But we have become a culture of policy, <laughs> and we have lost our culture of reason. And here we are, two human beings, at a moment where we could fight back and become a species of reason again, and not words of policy. 
We could do that, you and me, right now. Or we can just say, I'm sorry, policy of some people that aren't even here right now said so. Did you do that right there? And the manager at the Disney guy, he was like, wait right here. I'll be right back. <laughs> he runs into the thing. He does the whole, he wanted to be a part of the activism. You know what I mean? He came mm-hmm. back. He's like, here's your pass. You didn't get it from me. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I won't tell anybody. Right? And then you sneak it. How, how many it. times has that worked in life for you, though? Nine out of ten. Really? It worked two days ago. I drove an hour from here to see a client. And mind you, the client is well-to-do. So I got to go through like eight gate checks <laughs> just to get through the subdivision, dude. I'm like, a gate guard, a gate guard. I'm like, this is ridiculous. You want to pat me down, too? Dude, I'm just <laughs> I'm just coming to see a client, right? So I'm at the gate, and I'm like, I look at the lady, and I, and I really realized I had left my wallet. Who carries a wallet these days? You know, my shit's all linked through my phone and stuff. And I left my wallet. <laughs> I left my wallet in my wife's car. Uh, I picked my friend up from the airport, so I didn't have my. But I didn't notice, you know, my ID. I'm a cash guy. I'm not mm-hmm. a debit card guy, you know. So I didn't have my debit card. I left it all in there. So I'm at the gate though. So she sees me when I realize it, and I go, "Shit." I'm like, I left my ID all the way. I'm an hour from here. It's 6.30 on 5 o'clock type traffic on mm-hmm. I-4. And I'm looking at the lady and she goes, I'm sorry. I can't let you in. I just can't. You know, I'm on camera. And she goes, yeah, it's policy, she says. <laughs> she said it, man. She said it's policy. The key word, right? And I went. I looked at the name tag. You know, I'll say a different name. You know, I'll make it up. I was like, Amber. We have a chance right now. <laughs> I go right into it. You know what I mean? Into the spiel. And she goes, you know what? She goes, I have a blog that's out. And she goes, I blog about social issues. And I'm like, do you? Well, this is a moment that we could be active. <laughs> and she goes, you know what? If you can make that phone call you promised me, well, I'll let you in. And I went, we're going to do it, Amber. You and I, we're going to break policy. We're going to be human again. Mm-hmm. Right, and they they're they're like a victory, man. And I'll be damned. I got in. I saw my client. So you're poking at their own self interest. Oh, oh, you circle it all the way back. <laughs> oh, you theoretical fuck. <laughs> you backcountry mental debauchery motherfucker. That is your description. That's good. You're right. It was a self interest. I mm-hmm. I fed something, you know. But I meant you it. made it in best in her best interest. Right. It, it, you're right. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that made me evil. I curved up to her. That's right. I said, "Is it in your? It is in your best blogful interest right now to be a social activist on camera." Which you did in your best interest. Yep, and I got her to do that in my best interest. I think your theory may be spot on, son. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. So, if you're out there and you listen to the podcast seriously, and you can come up with a scenario of total no possibility of self-interest in decisions or choices, please. Email cognitive rampage at gmail.com or find me on Facebook or Twitter at Adam Lowrycom, Cognitive Rampage. Well, just fucking Google Cognitive Rampage and you'll find <laughs> you'll find a way to send me a message. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, we're we're everywhere. You know? Um and if you think you can come up with something, hit me back, let us know, and then what I'm gonna try to do is we'll we'll have a discussion, another text message link that at process, and then you'll come back, right? Oh, yeah. You know it. And we'll cover that shit. I got to thank everybody out there who's been listening and tuning in and downloading the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, dude, you, you, yeah, you're getting a lot of downloads too, man. That's great. Yeah, you're killing it, dude. 
I think you're like 9,000 right now, 9,000, 10,000, wow. something. That's a lot of downloads right now, though. That's humbling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is it humbling or is it really ego-filling? Yeah. Self-interest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do get fucked up now when people use that word humbling in the wrong context. Uh-huh. Something great happens to them and they go, well, it's humbling. I'm like, no, it's not. Humility. No, it's not. I like it, the word humility. It completely blows up your ego. It is not humbling at all. When you <laughs> when you win an award for something, you don't go, you know what? This is humbling. No, what you're doing is going, I'm trying to remain humble right now because I really feel like a badass. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say the word, this is humbling, in the wrong context. <laughs> humbling is when you try to do something and you suck at it. And you go, fuck, I thought I was smart. Well, see, that's self-depreciating, which brings down our narcissistic tendencies. So that's actually a positive thing. (laughs) (laughs) You're a walking narcissistic tendency. (laughs) Oh, man, I love you, dude. It's been great to be back. um, Look, so you open up your practice now in Winter Garden. uh, Counseling and Psychological Services of Central Florida, right? That's correct. Uh, where does everybody find you, dude? Where do they find you on Twitter or Facebook, the whole nine? I'm on Twitter, uh, adult, Facebook. Adult Friend Finder. <laughs> Google Plus. Uh, LinkedIn. Uh, and www.counselingcfl.com. And POF.com. You can find him under Dr. <laughs> None Rat. of those. None of those. <laughs> you can find him Although under... if you need help with those, I, I have helped with people. <laughs> you can find him under Dr. Bat Country. That's his username on POF.com. <laughs> Everybody's going to, like, POF is going to be like, why are we getting all these influx of search results here? What is this? What's going on? Yeah, if you find him on Match.com, it'll be Peacemaker.com. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in. No, I'm kidding, dude. No, so for real, you open, <laughs> you open, up, you open up your practice in a Garden, dude. Counseling, uh, I, you're killing it right now. You're doing good just for opening up the doors, right? Absolutely. I've had a, a lot of people contact me. Um, I've done a lot of good and helped a lot of people in the community already, and uh, it's felt good. It's a great start and uh, excited about being here and possibly looking at expanding in the future. Yeah, and the truth is, man, you know, people look at the titles of psychologist and, you know, LCSW, you know, Mm -hmm. do you want to go to a licensed clinical social worker? Do you want to go to a psychologist? You know, Mm -hmm. people look at that sometimes, even though sometimes it does and doesn't matter, you know, but, you know, as a psychologist, you know, what I like about how you practice, obviously, because we're connected in our same wavelengths and a whole Mm -hmm. other energies, we're on the same vibe, we're riding a fucking earth wave. Is you also are not the fucking practitioner that's going to assess and evaluate somebody and go, hey, here's a prescription pad. No, I'm not. I, I meet every client according to their own goals and where they're at and what their own needs and direction are. I feel like everybody walks their own path and um, I'm just kind of lucky to be able to help them walk their own path. I'm not here to guide anybody in any sort of direction. Uh, I think you have to all, everybody has to learn their own lessons in their own way and make their own mistakes. Uh, and I do it in a non-judgmental way where everybody does feel comfortable and uh, build confidence in moving forward. Yeah. So, again, man, if somebody wants to hit you up personally on Twitter, how do they find you? Uh, personally, I'm not on Twitter, but you can definitely find me uh, counseling. Uh, it's counselingcfl at cpscfl. Um, I'm on Twitter there. Uh, but you can also get um, Counseling and Psychological Services of Central Florida on Facebook, on LinkedIn, uh, on Google+. Plus. Um, you know, the acronym I have is CPSCFL. Uh, so you can also look at uh, that. 
And, and if you want to, and if you want to say anything personally, you, you, I like how you left out how anyone can find you personally. So if you want to say anything personally to what he said on the show today, he's left it to where you're going to have to contact the cognitive rampage at <laughs> gmail.com. If you come up with something in your life that you believe is an actual selfless act. All right. He's a theory fucking junkie. Right, I love it. I'm a theory junkie. And so he's building an, a theory now. And let's see if you can add to this theory. I don't know. I tried to help, brother. I don't. We'll see. We'll see what yeah, comes no, out. It's there. a growing theory. I think all theories, you know, the thing about theories, it can never be proven or disproven. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a good theory. Um, Is that what so, your ex-girlfriend said? <laughs> <laughs> you had to take it there, huh? I had to take it there. <laughs> So that's what the ex-girlfriend said. <laughs> I can never prove it or disprove it. I just knew. <laughs> uh, I don't know why she talked like that, but I, I, it's the voice you use. <laughs> it I'm having flashbacks now from it. It was very accurate. <laughs> dude, man, I can't wait to record with you again, man. Absolutely. Love seeing you, dude. All right. Thanks, everybody. Hope you enjoyed talking uh, with uh, or sitting and listening to us actually talk. I love talking to uh, Dr. Parker Mott, man. Uh, it's a scary thing, those things about the guns, man. I mean, really, what do you do? It's a it's a tough call. I mean, do you take everybody's guns? Sure, people scream at that. Well, you get all the guns. Who knows? What happens if they take all the guns? Well, I mean, we covered it, but it's a sensitive topic, man. And um, I don't know. I hope you're being safe out there. Um, be on the lookout, um, January, 2016, my book, the cognitive rampage, a dose of authentic revelation will release and be available on Amazon, Kindle, uh, iTunes, as well as my site. Uh, we are taking the podcast on the road in January, driving from here to New York, taking the podcast on the road, taking the book tour on the road, and I'll be speaking Anywhere and everywhere. If you got a podcast from Florida to New York, somewhere up the East Coast, and you want me to come on it, I will come on your podcast. Uh, if you got radio shows, TV shows, I'm coming on there to talk all for free. Uh, and if we run into you along the way, uh, trust me, I'm looking to throw random people on the podcast that I meet on this long venture, uh, long adventure from here to New York. But uh, that's coming in January. Again, big shout out to my producer, my manager. Daniel McNamara, who's shooting his film, Literature to Larceny, right now in New York City. Uh, They've been filming for about three, four days now, but uh, he's killing it. Um, Proud of you, brother. Keep it going. Um, Shout out to all my friends, family. Love you guys. Thank you for supporting the Cognitive Rampage. I really couldn't do this without all of you that listen. Uh, It it drives me back into the cave to keep talking each time. Uh, But um, hope you're taking care of you.